You're listening to Were You Still Talking? Hey, welcome to another episode of Were You Still Talking? Once again, this is Joel Albrecht, your host, and with me today, I have Blake. I forgot to ask how to pronounce his name. Guthier? Is it Guthier? Uh, no, not quite. It's Gautier. Gautier. Actually, that's how I would have pronounced it. Um, in 2018, weighing over 530 pounds, Blake dropped dead from a heart attack while walking down the street. Does not sound like fun. When he fell from the heart attack, he also tore his ACL in his left knee, damaged the MCL and LCL. Surgery was required to rebuild his knee, and he also had angioplasty. Thirteen months later, Blake suffered a second, much milder heart attack. Since then, now this is the interesting part. Since then, he has lost 300 pounds and has competed in bodybuilding shows, has articles published in several magazines. He enjoys living in the country and his bulldog bear. Heidi's, my, my wife's going to like that part. <laughs> How are well, you doing? He, he's black and white, so he looks like a little panda bear. So yeah. Ah, so he looks like a bear. That's funny. I had a dream last night that there I was someplace and there was this giant bear playing on the, on the ridge. And everyone was, it was a neighborhood, so everyone was freaking out. And this big Kodiak bear was playing on the ridge. Don't know what that was about. Anyway, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Well, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. Um, you have quite a story, quite a story. I think I have to go way back, way back in the history, because um, I've read I've read a bit about you. I've seen your website. I've seen what you're doing now. What's more interesting is how you got, how you got there. Um, so, and even... Um, I guess I mean, it's always hard for some of us to know, like when I start getting 20 pounds, I'm 30 pounds overweight now, in my opinion, I really start to panic. How does it get, how do you, how do you get to 530 pounds um, in like, well, I can see you, it's different for you because you're kind of tall. You're a big guy. You're a big guy. Six, seven, yeah, 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 I'm a big guy, yeah. but still 530 pounds, that's way, way too big. And it just, it, it at the time, I didn't really notice the weight coming on the way it did. Um, I was struggling with my mental health at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people do. A lot of people don't like to talk about it. I do try my best to be upfront about it because a lot of people look at a six foot seven, big, burly guy and like, oh, there's no way he's got mental health issues. But yeah, I've been on it. Well, sorry, I was on antidepressants for about five years um been off of them for about six weeks things are going good um but with the weight it for me it was this cycle uh growing up my parents i didn't realize so afterwards really didn't know anything about nutrition and food was a treat it was a reward it was i had to eat everything on my plate because there was kids starving in japan and I, I don't want to break this to you, but it turns out that was a lie, okay? The kids were not starving in Japan. Other countries, yes, but not Japan. Right, uh, right. And they were actually starving here in, in America as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had the same upbringing, you bet. Yeah, yeah. So if you didn't finish your food and then, of course, you, you I, I would get, I don't want to say yelled at, but I'd get in trouble. And I always, whenever something good happened my parents would be well let's go out and have we'll go d we'll have dinner we'll get a dessert 
Or if something bad happened, it's like, well, let's go get something to eat. It'll make you feel better. So with my family, we just always turned to food. And growing up, that's just the way it was for me. So when I was struggling with my mental health, I turned to food a lot. I turned to alcohol as well. I was um, where I live. You could just place a phone call to a place called Beer Express and they will deliver whatever beer or alcohol you want right to your door, which is a little too convenient. Wow. Yeah, that's a bit different than the U.S. And you have drive through liquor as well? Do you have that? Uh, no, we don't have drive through liquor don't have yet. That. If okay. you go yourself, you got to go into the store, but you could just call oh. them up and they would deliver. And it got to the point where they would recognize my number when I called them because I was calling them almost every day. And they would literally like, hey, Blake, you want the usual? Yep, same place. Yep. Hang up the phone. And then about 20 minutes later, my beer would be delivered to my house. Um, it would be nothing for me to sit there, drink a case of beer and eat a couple large pizzas. And then the thing is, after doing that, I feel worse. It's like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. I don't feel good now because obviously you drink that much, you eat that much. You don't feel too great afterwards. And so that would make me feel bad. So what do you do when you feel bad? You go to the fridge. You eat some more food. Yeah. You See, I've actually been, I was lucky. I was really lucky growing up and, and well, my whole life because I didn't like getting sick. So um, that's what kept me from alcoholism, honestly, because I don't like yeah. throwing up. Some people just, that, that's okay. I'll, I'll accept that, you know, to drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm lucky though, like, because I'm at the point now where uh, last night uh, my girlfriend was over and her and I had a couple of drinks, but I'm at, I'm, I'm, at the point in my life where I can have a beer or two and then I can stop. I'm fine. I, I don't have that. I want more. I want more. I want more. I, I keep a liquor in my house. I have a fully stocked bar in the basement and I'm able to have, like I said, that drink or two and I'm okay, which I'm pretty lucky about because there is alcoholism in my family. So I think because of that though, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it. So I always kind of keep that in the back of my head. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and also, um, were you t um, when you were eating a lot, drinking a lot, were you also taking antidepressants? Was yes, yes, I, I was. Yeah, because that often leads to weight gain. Yeah, and the antidepressants I was on, I realized a couple years later that they weren't the right combination for me. So that was throwing me off as well because I just it, it wasn't working for me the way they should have been. Um, the doctor I had at the time, really nice guy, but he was old school medicine. It was just, this is what your issue is. And this is exactly the pill I prescribed. Never really looked at the root cause of anything. The family doctor I have now, <clears throat> she actually is a dual psychiatrist and medical doctor. So she will actually take the time to sit down and talk to you, find out what the root cause of everything is. And instead of just pushing pills your way, we'll actually give you different exercises to do. And she really helped me a lot. She was the one that helped me get off the antidepressants altogether. And I'm really, really happy that she's a part of my life as my doctor. That is huge. That is huge. Because that, that whole, I, that whole just, um, you know, give you antidepressants because that's what they think. That sounds really old school. I was, I would hope that doctors aren't still doing that, but I know they are. I know. Yeah, well, are. that it, particular yeah. doctor I have, he has since retired, but so, yeah. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, because that's a really old philosophy. But I know, I mean, the medical people are, at least in this country, are really, really busy. And sometimes they don't do what you're talking about, um, which is, you know, really look at the individual patient yeah. and what they need 
and what they're doing. So before your uh, before the, what I was just talking about in the intro, you had a, um, a major life. Well, you actually died. You told me uh, before mm-hmm. that. Did you want to? Did you think you needed to change, or did you need that I, to to? For a couple months before I had the actual heart attack, like I had the warning signs of it. I I walking up a flight of stairs, I'd feel like my heart was going to explode out of my chest. It was beating, it beat so hard. Just from slowly walking up a flight of stairs, um, I'd get like the numbness, the pins and needles in my left arm. Uh, and being an early 40s age guy, it would be like, no, 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 no it can't be that. It's, it's, I'm fine. That was my excuse. Oh, I'm fine. You know, I'll just, if I could just keep walking, I'll be good. Tomorrow I'll be, I'll feel better. It's not as bad as it obviously was until that day of January 18th, 2018, when I was walking down the street and couldn't catch my breath. And I remember I was reaching out to grab the building to, to steady myself. And I just, I never did manage to grab the building. The next thing I remember is they were reviving me. So luckily there was a paramedics close by. Oh, wow. And you, you actually did, your heart stopped completely? like Completely stopped. Yeah. I was gone for 45 seconds. Um, for me, though, I don't want to get it too much into this part of it, but it was, I remember every single moment while I was on the other side. It, uh, yeah, uh, I was gone for several hundred years, even though it was 45 seconds here. For me, it felt like several hundred years just floating in absolute nothingness. There was no noise, no light, just absolute nothing. And for me, it felt like I was there for hundreds of years. Wow. Wow. Scared the living hell out of me. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I, I don't know. Some I've had dreams like that that felt like they happened over many, many years. And then I woke up and it was, it had been five minutes, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of relate. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. I've, I've never actually had an experience like that though. Yeah. But I'm actually glad that I did have that experience instead of like, Oh, the bright light, everything. Yay. Nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. No, definitely not the experience I had, but that was what really triggered the change of my lifestyle to get to the point I'm at now. Because if I wouldn't have made the changes, then the second heart attack would have definitely killed me. Okay, so you had already started, um, you had already made the changes before the second heart attack. You had already yeah. gotten on the road to to yeah. change in your life. And by the way, um, anyone who loses that kind of weight, I, I think anyone who loses 10 pounds is a hero, but losing that much weight, half your body weight, it, it's really amazing. Really an amazing achievement. That, that is not Thank easy. You. Yeah, and the, you know, you actually picked a, the way you decided to do it's not easy either. It it's just pure discipline. It's it's really hard to do. So well, yeah. when after the first heart attack and like I damaged my knee and everything as well, between that first 13 months with my first heart attack and the second one, I lost about 70 pounds at that time. Which considering how big I was, I, I don't want to say it wasn't a lot of weight, because 70 pounds is a lot of weight. But with how much I had to lose, it, it could have been more. But because of the knee and my lack of mobility, I was very limited with what I could do for the, those first 13 months. So, but because I lost the 70 pounds, the second time I had the heart attack, which was stress-induced, um, not to get into a long story, but a friend of mine, her mom was palliative. I was helping her take care of her mom. 
her and I were trying to help her mom to the bathroom. Her mom passed out and I caught her mom as she was falling to the floor. And that's the stress of that is what triggered the second heart attack. Um, oh, so it was, it was actually the physical stress. Yeah. Yeah. It was an actual, trying to yeah. catch somebody and yeah. And doing something. Exactly. Yeah. It was, her mom was very frail at the time, obviously. And I just, I knew if I didn't catch her, then that would probably have been well, the end of her mom. Wow. So, wow. um, yeah. So, but after that second heart attack, uh, my knee was healed up. I was able to be a lot more active as well. And realizing, and when I went into the emerge that night, the doctors told me that if I hadn't have made the life changes I had, then they wouldn't be treating me and releasing me that same night. I was released only a couple hours afterwards. It was such a mild event. So they had told me, though, that if I hadn't made the changes, then it would have probably been a trip to the morgue instead of back home. Wow. So, that, so, that's, yeah, a, so that's amazing. Yeah. That's also a part of what made me realize, okay, what I'm doing is the right is the right thing to do. Because after that first heart attack, I knew I had to make the changes. And I looked into like the gastric bypasses, the the uh, sleeves you can get up, put on your stomach, they're like a surgical procedure. But after doing the reading on them, I realized that wasn't really for me because I, I do enjoy food. I, I like to eat. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be able to have the opportunity that if I went out with friends, I could eat what I would want or just having a couple of drinks kind of thing with my buddies. So that's why I thought, I told myself, I will make this one true, honest attempt, give it everything I have to lose the weight naturally. And if I can't, then I will go in and have the surgery to have the gastric bypass done. And I was lucky enough that I was, or I don't know if it was lucky or stubborn, but either way, I was able to take the weight off naturally. That's great. And I think, um, I think stubborn is a good word for it. Stubborn and really disciplined. It, it takes discipline to do all the stuff you're doing. I mean, you know, you're, you're using uh, bodybuilding as the way, that was really the way you took off the weight, right? Um, yeah, and bodybuilding, yeah. I think a lot of people get confused about bodybuilding. Even, even 50 years after Arnold has made it popular, uh, it's still people get confused about it. It's, it's really a lifestyle. It's not just going to the gym twice a day and taking a lot of steroids there you know yeah, there's exactly. a lot more to it right like i i when i bought the house i'm in now i have a detached garage and when i bought it i bought it with the plan of turning the garage into a gym which i've, I've done and i now bring my own clients and i have clients that drive out to my house out in the country and i'll train them in my gym and i just totally blanked on where i was going with this okay uh, <laughs> That's so okay. one of my newest clients sorry just it all came back to me now uh, Celine Dion, anyways <laughs> so one of my newest clients, she's been training with me for about two weeks. Um, 55 year old lady, don't want to go into a lot of details just because client confidentiality. Yeah, sure, sure. And But she was telling me the first week that she had gained three pounds. And I thought, well, that's that's a little weird. She just sent me a text message saying, oh, I'm not going to do a check-in this week because I'm up three pounds. And so I replied back to her, like, okay, well, what's going on? Like, did you miss meals? Did you not follow the meal plan? Like, I, give me some details here. So if need be, I can make the changes for you. So we can, we can help you out. And she replied back saying that her fiance told her that because she was working out three times a week for about an hour each session, that she didn't have to watch what she ate anymore and she could eat whatever she'd want. Oh no! I yeah, I so thought you were just going to say she gained some muscle because that's that's what a lot of people 
when they start to work out, they think they're going to lose weight and they start to gain muscle. And it, it, so the, they yeah, gain the a lot of weight. You know? So yeah. they, they, some so people not... will, look, will be heavier, but look a lot leaner than what they were. Right. Because muscle's a lot denser than fat is. Yeah. But yeah. going back to what oh, you were saying terrible. about how it's a lifestyle, this person was given the misinformation that, oh, you're working out a couple hours a week. You can eat whatever you want. No, no, like 95% of this is the discipline of watching what you eat every day, every meal. And the working out's the easy part. That's the simple part, going out into the gym and meet for myself. My own workouts are about an hour and a half each day, uh, not including my morning cardio, but that's the easy part. It's, and especially with this being Easter weekend, um, yeah. it's going to, yeah, it, it's, it is nice that my, I don't have my daughter here this year, so I don't have all the chocolates in the house. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It, it's that discipline. It's one of my favorite sayings is when uh, motivation fails, discipline prevails. And I actually have that up my, on the wall of my gym. That is a good one. That's a good one. I, um, I'm glad to hear you say that too, because I, uh, it's another kind of misconception I think people have. Um, because of a lot of uh, pain issues, I've had to do all my, I've had to watch my weight almost entirely by dieting for, for years. And it's, yeah. um, you know, if I could add weightlifting to it, excellent. It would give me 10% more, you know, it would not, it would not be the key. It would not suddenly, it, I couldn't suddenly would, go back to eat, you know, eating junk food and, and you know, not But it would allow you to have a little bit more consumption and yeah. Yeah, and it actually would be good. I mean, it would be good for my health, and of course, I would look better. But it, it's uh, you know, I think that um, I've, I used to lift. I lifted for a long time, like since I was in high school, with some breaks until I was in my forties, and and actually had some uh, bizarre uh, pain stuff happen. Um, I lifted off and on for a long time. So I've oh, I've been a proponent of uh, you know, especially weightlifting exercise for forever. Um, I think a lot of people try it out for a couple of days and they say they get bored with it because they don't really know. I mean, to me, it's a, like you said, it's a joy. Like to walk out of the gym and have that feeling of you've just, <laughs> the feeling is really that you've just torn all your muscles to shreds. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really, I love that feeling. It's great. Because you know you've done something that your body is going to make changes to your body, adapt to it, so you can lift more the next time. You can take shorter breaks in between sets. I, I, I get it. I totally understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, so after your first heart attack, right away, you started, did you start the dieting immediately? Like, did you go to um, a seven meals a day, you know, not not right away. I, I did change the way I ate almost mm-hmm. immediately, but it was a gradual the first little bit because I didn't still didn't know anything about nutrition at the time. So I started doing a lot of reading and because I was laid out on the couch with my knee, I couldn't do a lot. So I started reading a lot of and there was a lot of information about what the proper meals are and everything like that. And so that's part of why I started doing training myself is because. I've gone through years and years of, okay, well, maybe this works. Oh, no, that didn't work for me. So maybe this work. And so I've taken the time and I've used myself as a guinea pig for meal plans to figure out this is what works for me. And so when I have a client who comes to me and what a lot of my clients like is the fact that I haven't always been fit. So I know where they're coming from. 
And so I can say, okay, this is what works for me. So we'll start you at this same point. And then through the weekly check-ins they do with me, we can make changes to their training or their meal plan to figure out what exactly works for them and get them to be the best possible version of themselves. Yeah, that that's um, I really like that approach because there are, <laughs> as you know, there are so many diet plans out there. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's just unbelievable how many, and uh, all of them claim to be the newest, latest, and greatest. If you look up medical research, it will be different. It will say different, but yeah, you know what, yeah. what you're saying makes the most sense. You've got to find what works for you, not what not what works for some uh, in, somebody on the <laughs> yeah, internet. I, you, know? you hear all the different oh, uh, keto, paleo. Uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. were di- which were largely diets made to um, for a certain uh, illness. In most cases, yeah, yeah, the, exactly. the, the keto diet is, was made. I think it was a diabetes. I think it was made to combat some specific thing. Yeah, um, I, I think it was diabetes. I, I think it's a di- It was a diet, like a very for people who had really bad, a really bad case. This doctor came yeah. up with this diet. So, yeah, and the thing is, it's is interesting. To me, keto does work for a very short amount of time, um, and I'm probably going to get a lot of comments about this statement, but. If you have, let's say, a wedding or a birthday or something coming up in four to six weeks and you want to drop 15 to 20 pounds, do keto. Go ahead, do the keto. But your body needs carbs. It needs carbs for the energy. Your brain needs carbs. That's what your brain uses for fuel. So, but use keto to lose that 15, 20 pounds so you can look good in your suit, your dress, whatever you want to wear to that particular event or your bathing suit if you're lucky enough to be traveling someplace warm, which I really want to do soon. It's been a couple of years. And, um, but the thing is I find with people is the moment they stop keto, they gain the weight back almost instantly, all the weight they've lost and usually plus some. Oh, that is the experiences yeah. I've seen from people. Yeah. The meal plan I follow myself it's almost even protein carb. So it's about 40% protein, 40% carb, about 20% good fats. It's it's just a very basic balanced meal plan. I weigh out everything that I eat. And right now I'm eating eight meals a day. Excuse me, because I'm focusing on actually trying to add muscle to my body. Because mm-hmm. I'm hoping in two years uh, to do another prep and do an actual classic physique bodybuilding show uh, the year I turn 50. Oh, all right. So you now, so you have done um, competitive bodybuilding before. I've done is, uh, yeah. a, what was called the transformation category at the Toronto Pro Pro Show. It was uh, June third, twenty twenty two. Um, been a lifelong dream of mine to get on a bodybuilding show because, like, when I was a kid watching movies, I always I grew up in the Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone era. Pardon me. So seeing Arnold go from bodybuilding to this action hero. Sorry, my chair just made a wonderful that, noise. That's okay. <laughs> um, I didn't hear it. <laughs> okay, well, good, good. Okay, well, we'll edit that part out then. Um, so, uh, and and that's what I always wanted to do is I, I wanted to be like Arnold. I wanted to be the bodybuilder. I wanted to get into acting. And here I am, 48 years old, going to be 49 shortly. And now I'm finally, I'm a bodybuilder. I, I am getting into acting and... <laughs> It took me a little while, but I finally got there. There you go. It's it's never too late, and it, it's interesting to me because I um, I've always kind of um, 
admired the bodybuilding lifestyle. I never really wanted to look like, uh, well, like physically, uh, it's impossible for me to look like Arnold because you can't. It's impossible for most people. It's impossible for most people, which people don't realize also that you, your physique does matter. Like you, the champions of bodybuilding are 1% and then they work really hard. I'm not saying they don't work. They work their butt off, but they're in a very small category, kind of like football players. Right. Yeah, I, I'm going to let you in on a secret on the top level bodybuilders. They're not natural. Well, yeah, that's this. Yeah. I know this. I know. So <laughs> I, I mean, literally Arnold would be a natural bodybuilder today. That, well, to, uh, he would be the, he the be. top level of natural bodybuilders almost look like Arnold did like almost. Well, the but thing the, is, is a lot of yeah. the natural bodybuilders these days are not actually natural are still not right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a lot of people have to realize. And what gets me is like somebody will be saying they're natural while they're pushing their own particular line of supplements or whatever brand of supplements are currently sponsored by saying, you can look like me too, if you use this particular brand of protein. Meanwhile, they're injecting. Right. Yeah. Right. If if you use this protein and inject something into your arm, because the I mean the amount I, all I can figure I actually don't know how people get so as big as um, the professional builders now. I don't literally don't know how they get that big because uh, all I can figure is they've the the research on how much steroids you can take has come a long way. You know, they, yeah, I mean, yeah, Arnold was doing, of, you know, in the Arnold's day, they were doing steroids, but really not that much. They would, yeah, compared, compared to what to some today. of the guys are doing these days, not yeah. a lot at all. Yeah. Now, now it's just insane. I mean, these, they, they want to look like freaks and they, they, it works. They, yeah, yeah <laughs> they it does. Look, which I think is too bad because it used to be about, I mean, somebody like Frank Zane had this amazing physique, you know, it's like yeah. everything was perfectly proportioned and now it doesn't, it doesn't look that way anymore. It, yeah. Well, the bodybuilding, it goes through cycles, generations of it, where you go from the Frank Zane, where you're looking more for that lean, uh, physique, the aesthetic looking physique. Mm-hmm. Then you went in through the mass monsters of Dorian Yates, Ronnie Coleman. And what I'm finding now is they're kind of going back towards the leaner physique. So you have um, uh, Chris Bumstead, for example, the reigning classic physique champion. I actually was lucky enough I got to meet him this past summer. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize how big he actually is until you meet him in person. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty It's pretty mind-boggling. I, when I lived in Los Angeles, occasionally there would be um, – people who were probably not pro level, but they were getting, you know, they were getting there and how (laughs) just in a good, in the gold's gym, which is still the bodybuilding hangout. I, you know, I just went there because it was nearby, but they are monsters. They are monsters. I mean, you're a big guy, but you, yeah, you don't look big. Well, even Arnold doesn't look big anymore. Uh, You know, if if some, if some of those guys stand next to Arnold, it's, you know, he looks like a regular guy. (laughs) There's videos going around on the internet right now from the, this year's past Mr. Olympia. I I guess, no, sorry. It'd be last year's now. And Brian Shaw, uh, four or five time world's strongest man was one of the presenters of the medals for the particular bodybuilding category. And he made the bodybuilders on stage look like Oompa Loompas. It was amazing how big of a man Brian Shaw was compared to the bodybuilders. So it's just, it, it just everything is, is in pers- to put things in perspective. Right, right, right. 
So you use, to get back where we were, I was kind of headed, you use a, um, you do seven meals? <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, right right now I'm doing eight. You're doing eight? Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I'm doing eight. I, um, so my average day, I get up, um, if I don't have a really early client, I get up at six in the morning. I, as like, my bedroom is in the basement. So like, as I'm coming upstairs, I go by my back door and I let my dog out. One of the perks living in the country, I can just open the back door, let him run. Yeah, nice. I go into the kitchen, I put on my coffee maker, grab my water jug, and then I head out to my gym. Um, By the time I get to the gym, my dog's running out of the bush and he's done his business and he comes to the gym with me. I spend 45 minutes in the gym doing my morning cardio. Then once that's done, I'm back in the house and I have my first meal. Uh, Usually that one's a combination of oatmeal, some egg whites, (laughs) some fresh berries. About an hour and a half later, second meal, which is ground turkey, rice, and spinach. And then it's it's a lot of the groundhog day. So it's every couple of hours I'm eating a meal right now. And the thing is, is right now, because I'm trying to put the mass on, I'm, even, I'm still full from the meal I had previous, and it's time for me to eat another meal. So there's that aspect of it a lot of people don't see. It's like, oh, it must be so nice to be able to eat all this food. It's like... Right now, I'm eating almost 5,000 calories a day to try to get bigger. And it's all lean foods as well. So it's, uh, like I said, I have the ground turkey and the rice. And then my next meal is usually an extra lean ground beef with rice with some another vegetable. Then I've, I've got to have chicken because you're a bodybuilder. So then chicken, breast, and rice. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Now, then I have, like, uh, before my workout, I have some rice cakes with peanut butter and honey. Um Another jug of water while I'm training with amino acids in it. Sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Um, After the workout, I have either a bagel with some jam and two scoops of protein powder, or I'll have a banana with Rice Krispies, and then I'll have my protein shake with that. Then my last meal of the day is uh, 150 grams of, I I make my own French fries, we use my air fryer. So I'll have like 150 grams of that with another 300 grams of egg whites, a couple whole eggs, more spinach and vegetables. And then I go to bed and I start it all over again. <laughs> yeah, see, that's where it, it gets into the, that that sounds a lot harder to me than the uh, cardio and the weightlifting. Like, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's, the, like, that's it, just so much more dedication. I, I, I mean, I hear this from a lot of the the actors doing superhero movies. If you yeah. never, usually they don't talk about it, but if you ever catch one talking about what they have to do, what their trainers make them do, um, that's the part they hate. You know, it's like the workouts are okay, but like some of them get up in the middle of the night and eat. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not quite at that point yet, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm sure at some point now I might be doing that as well. Yeah, that's that's really dedication. And your stomach has to be built for it, I think. <laughs> you have to have a kind of a special stomach to be able to uh, well, to be able to the, handle the thing, that much. The the thing for me is that because I lost all that weight is I had a lot of loose skin. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, gone I've actually had a couple of uh, plastic surgeries to have the skin removed. And one of them obviously was the the loose skin around my waist. So the skin around my waist uh was removed when I was 230 pounds. I'm sitting at about 280 right now because I'm not doing a show. I'm not doing photo shoots at the moment and I'm working on getting bigger. So the skin on my stomach is pulling it. It feels so tight right now because of the, how much I'm eating. <laughs> wow. So you will get, when you're ready to compete, you'll go back down to 230. 
Um, I'm hoping after the couple of years of adding the size, I'm hoping to get on stage at around 260. That's my hope. But I'll see in a couple of years how well this goes. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It's it's incredible dedication to do for years as well. How how many years did it take to, to get to your diet, to get to the current diet? Like how much experimentation did it take? You know, when you were first losing... Well, there's two questions here. How long did it take to lose 300 pounds? Uh, it took me about three years. Three in total years. Weight. Okay. The, so that- the first year and a half, two years, I, I did it on my own trial and error. When I decided that I was leaning more and more towards actually doing bodybuilding, getting to the stage, I hired a coach for myself. I still have a coach right now. And so my coach has a coach as well. So it's just one of those like trickle down things. So his coach passes information on to him to help him with what he's doing. My coach is actually going for his pro card next week. Sorry, not next week, next month. Um, Then my coach, I do my check-ins with my coach. Then he tells me the changes I need to make. And then I have my clients that report to me. And then I make the changes for them too. And like, I've had people approach me asking me like, Hey, I want to do this bodybuilding show can you train me and to get somebody to a bodybuilding stage i don't feel comfortable coaching somebody at that point quite yet so then i'll refer them to my coach it's like hey i'd love to help you but i think this person would be able to give you a lot better advice than i can oh that's that's great that's great i mean not only that you will do that but that you have somebody you can do that you know you're you're able to pass them on if need be yeah and there's been a couple of times where my coach, um, especially during the, the like spring, summer, fall, is, is the busier time for the actual bodybuilding shows. And that's more the clientele my coach has. Mm-hmm. So there's times like he'll have people who are just starting out looking for information, approach him, and he's he's like, well, I've got 40, 50 clients right now. I'm sorry, I just can't. But then he'll give them my name and say, go talk to Blake. He might be able to help you out. And so it's kind of a back and forth my coach and I have. Oh, right, right. So you touched on um, that you had some surgery done. I, that, was a, that was a decision that took a while. I saw that you actually wrote an article about that. Yeah, for yeah. I just got magazine. published last week. Oh, that was just last week? Oh, I'm right on yeah. top of things then. Yeah, <laughs> um, actually, that was the first part of it. The second part of that article is being published end of April. Uh, I'd have to look at my calendar for the exact date. I think it's the last Saturday of this month. And um, so the first part of the article talks about what I went through to make the decision that plastic surgery was the way for me to go. I interviewed the plastic surgeon that's done the work on me. When that sounds so weird to say, I never thought I'd be saying something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I bet, I bet. uh, The second part of the article is I was lucky enough to interview... I believe it was four different uh, gentlemen that I know who have all gone through similar transformations to what I've done, have gone on stage, and what they've gone through that brought them to the decision to have surgery and be open about it. Because for a long time, a guy having plastic surgery was kind of taboo. It's like, show we don't want to talk about that. Like Similar to a guy being on antidepressants. Oh, right. Right. And it, um, it was definitely taboo in the bodybuilding world because I it was years and years ago that I read some article about um, why bodybuilders' calves look so amazing sometimes. And, it, it, you know, 
they have yeah. inserts put in. <laughs> it's yeah, all, yeah. These, all these things they do, and I, you know, I had no idea. But yeah, there's it's it's like any other kind of modeling. They exactly it's, like it's the same thing for a bodybuilder. If you have that one particular spot that you're having a really hard time getting the fat to to, to lose fat, they go in to get liposuction done just to take care of it. Right, right. Because like I was saying, not every there's only a few people in the world that have like perfect proportions. And then even on that, you have to build on that. If you're going to be, if you're going to be in bodybuilding contests, exactly. but it, you know, it's, it's really rare. So yeah, a lot, you, a lot of people have to resort. So, um, if someone loses that much weight and they, what, what was the decision, I guess, about having the, the surgery? Like what, what went into that? Uh, was it, because it seems like an obvious thing to me, um, because there's, I, mean, I guess what I'm asking is, there's really no other way, right? If you want to get rid of the extra skin, there's yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, is um, I'm assuming it's the same in the states as it is here. It was considered a cosmetic surgery, so it wasn't covered under the the the, the our OHIP here here in Ontario. <clears throat> so there was a cost factor involved. I've had three different surgeries now to have loose skin removed. And the three of them combined is a little shy of $25,000 I have paid out of pocket for the surgery. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a, that's that a was bit. one of the big reasons why it took me as long as it did to have finally have the surgery. Because for a long time, too, as I was losing the weight and the loose skin started to become more pronounced, I was telling myself, well, once I get as lean as I want to be, then, you know, I'll start, I'll change the way I eat, change the way I train, and I'll build all this muscle because being like late 40s it's so easy to build muscle that i'll just fill all that loose skin out no problem with all this extra yeah. muscle. no worries yeah. easy easy. Yeah, no worries i'll fill it all out and being 530 plus pounds you know i'll just fill all that up with muscle no problem no problem at all but uh turns out i was wrong i'll gladly admit that and that's for my ex-wife i can't admit that i'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that was the thing too, is it was one of those like, do I want to spend all this money if I'm going to put all this muscle on? And then as I became more knowledgeable in it and realized that I'm not going to be able to build enough muscle to fill out all the skin, then it was the matter of like, do I keep the loose skin as a reminder of where I used to be as a daily reminder so I don't go back to it? But then as I was going more towards the, I want to step on stage, I want to be a bodybuilder, the loose skin would work against me because no matter how much muscle I had, I didn't have the definition or the definition I had didn't show as much because the loose skin was hiding it. So I, I learned over the time, like if I posed in a certain way, you wouldn't be able to see the loose skin on my chest, for example. But it was still in the back of my mind that it was there. So oh, that was the combination of everything that made me finally decide that if I want to bring this to the next level, if I want to step on the bodybuilding show, uh, stage, I was starting to, I had an agent in Toronto at the time helping me find different acting roles. I wasn't really comfortable, even though I spent all this time in the gym taking my shirt off in front of a camera because of the loose skin. It was just one of those, to me, it just made sense that that was my next step was to have the surgery, to have the loose skin removed. Um, talked to Dr. Barr, my plastic surgeon, and him and I came up with a plan because I told him straight up, like, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to get on stage. I want to start acting. So I didn't want to have obvious scars from plastic surgery. So that's why it took three separate surgeries to have it done. 
So instead of having uh, the equivalent of a breast reduction to remove the loose skin of my chest, which would have left obvious scars underneath and everything like that, we did what was called the Benelli procedure, which is also known as a donut, uh, mastect- uh, yeah, donut mastectomy. So they do an incision just on the inside of your nipple, and then they do another circle outside from that. They remove the skin between the two, pull that together, and then stitch that up. But you can only do so much skin at a time using that procedure, which is why I had to wait to heal up from that and then save up the money and then go back in and have it done again. And the last time I had that done was just uh, this past January. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I'm like, right now, I'm pretty much healed up. I do still have some swelling underneath. I'm still, it's going to be another couple of months before all the swelling goes down from it, but I can already see a big difference. So, how do they um, then get rid of the scarring? Like, how do they keep? Well, because they they do the incision on the inside of the nipple, the most people's nipples, and I'm one of them, uh, my nipples are darker than the rest of my skin color. So the scar is actually hidden in that the coloration of the skin. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So they just hide it. They don't get. Yeah. yeah. They just hide yeah. the scar. Oh, okay. So how did you co- you go by uh, your website is the uh, Silverback Viking? Yes. The yes. Silverback Viking is your website and your my username Instagram, on Instagram. I think it's, Instagram. Yeah, so, it's my online persona. Right. <laughs> how did how did you come up with that? Where did um, that so, come from? I, I played poker once a month with a bunch of my buddies. And um, it's more of like a first ex-husband's club than a poker game because we all more sit around, have a couple of drinks with the guys, and we complain about how much money we play, pay in child support, alimony. And so the one night we were, it was about two years into my journey to lose the weight and everything. And so my buddies are starting to notice the change because, well, I dropped a couple hundred pounds by that point. And it was late the one night, early that morning kind of thing. And a bunch of us were still sitting up playing cards and there were quite a few beverages involved. And somehow we, they got on the topic of trying to find a nickname for me. And so a couple of my buddies were saying that I looked like a Viking and my a couple of my other buddies were insisting that I looked more like a gorilla, a silverback. And it was a bunch of guys drinking together. It was actually starting to get a little heated. So I said, well, why don't you just call me the silverback Viking? And that's just kind of how it came around. <laughs> so it was drinking and poker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah drinking Common. and poker gave me my fitness persona. <laughs> that's funny. Common thing. Same. Everybody that everybody has that. Exactly. Now, exactly. So, a, do you have? These are just some questions that you will probably hear all the time. But do you have a? Uh, do you have a food that you had to give up? Oh no! For let me go back. You. It sounds like you don't have a seven day a week strict never never cheat kind of diet. Do you have a specific day, a cheat day like some people, or do you just sometimes go ahead and well, eat what you want? I Right now, I'm a little more lenient because I don't have a bodybuilding show or a photo shoot or anything like that I'm working towards. Um, I still do my best to stick to my meal plan. So if I do have, well, I, I don't like calling them cheat meals. I like to call them refeed meal. So I do my check-in with my coach on Saturday mornings. And usually him and I will discuss like a, a refeed meal for that particular week. So quite often it's, I, I love steak, barbecued steak or sushi 
or even just a good old fashioned burger, like not, not a fast food burger, but like a good quality burger. So that's usually what my refeed meal will be, will be either the steak or the sushi or something along those lines. Um, with the sushi, um, I can put myself into a sushi coma if I go into it, like, you know, I can eat sushi restaurant. <laughs> so I will actually place an order for takeout and just that way I, I grab the, my sushi. I'll bring it back to my place. I'm about half hour out, out of town. So that way I just, this is what I am limited to because even now there's times where if I start eating something, I'd have a hard time stopping. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sushi almost seems like a bodybuilding food. I mean, well, it is, but it's because it's the rolls that I usually get. And so oh, okay. with the rolls, lots of rice, it's carb heavy. Yeah. Right. It's carb heavy there. And do you have anything that you really had to give up? Um, I, I imagine, especially in the first, in the early stages, what was the hardest thing to stop doing? The cheesecake. I cheesecake. have a sweet tooth oh. like you wouldn't believe. And I, it would be nothing for me to go to a grocery store, not like one of those little cheesecakes, but one of the big cheesecakes. It would be nothing for me to buy one of those go home, open the package, take a fork, and just sit there and eat the whole thing. That was the hard thing to start. Um, I'm one of those people where I'm okay if I don't have a bite of something, then I'm fine. But as soon as I have that first bite, I got to eat all of it. Oh, okay. One of the, yeah. Well, there was yeah. a, when I was younger and, I, and my metabolism, uh, I could eat anything when I was a younger person. And uh, yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. I've never had that metabolism. Uh, so. Yeah, I had that for a for a long time until I was in my 30s, really late 30s. So we used to just get cartons of ice cream and eat them. And but the, yeah, yeah, but back then Sorry, I probably I didn't cream. eat. That's when I actually yeah. forgot about. <laughs> that yeah, was during, that's always been a big one. I'm the same way. I sweet tooth is is the big thing for me. And it, yeah, love the sweet things. And then what is your, so what is, do you have a favorite uh, healthy meal of the, of the eight meals you eat a day? Actually, yeah. I think my first meal. So what, what it is, is I weigh out a certain amount of oatmeal. I, I have this big Corningware casserole bowl that I eat my meals out of. And so I, I measure out, well, I'll give you the exact, I had 90 grams of dry oatmeal. I then add one whole egg to it, 300 grams of egg whites. I then add a little bit of water and a whole bunch of cinnamon. And then I mix that all up together and I throw that in the microwave and it, it literally bakes in the microwave. So it comes out as a cake about that thick. And then I add uh, 80 grams of fresh fruit to it. And it's called uh, Walden Farms maple syrup. It's a zero sugar, zero calorie maple syrup. So literally, it's a part of my expression. It's a chemical shitstorm because it's zero calorie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, right. Sugar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To get yeah, zero so calories just a, is not easy. Chemicals yeah. that I do, but I just add that yeah. little bit to, to flavor it. And then I'll, I'll mix that up. And that, I think, is my tastiest meal I look the most forward to. Could also be because it's been my first meal since about 7 o'clock the night before. And usually it's about 8 in the morning before I have a chance to eat that one by the time I do my cardio and everything. That sounds like dessert, really. It, well, it, it is. It, it almost yummy. tastes like a dessert. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> that sounds really good. Uh, there have been times where I've yeah. put the oatmeal through the uh, blender first and turned it into like an oat flour and then use the egg whites and that and like make pancakes out of it. Wow. Now, do you 
make do you make these meals every day or do you prepare prepare I, I ahead prepare, of time because um, that's a yeah. lot yeah like one of the benefits with me working out of my house now is i do have a little bit i shouldn't say more time but a little bit more freedom with my time as to when i can do my meal prep but i i won't cook like a pound of ground turkey or one or two chicken breasts i will cook like a couple big family packs of chicken breasts at the time um i will cook up like a full eye of the round roast and then what i'll do is i'll, I'll cut it up i'll put it in my fridge in containers and then for each meal i just pull out the the containers i have a rice cooker i'll make uh 16 cups of rice in it, and then i'll just literally weigh out what i would need for that meal heat it up done right because i can't imagine making making that much food every day without no, no, well, without someone there else there are doing it some you. companies that tailor to bodybuilders mm -hmm. so you can send them what your daily and each meal requirement is and then they will actually make it for you package it and ship it out to you i personally can't afford that myself because it's not cheap to do but yeah there, there are companies that can help you with that too but the staying ahead and making sure that you have your food cooked and ready that's huge that's something that's really helped me out well it's yeah it's not even it, it's it's an expense to do what you're doing just to to eat um eight meals a day that oh, yeah. are that are healthy it's not it's not the it's not the cheapest endeavor there is it's it's yeah, expensive. you, you don't yeah. get into bodybuilding to be rich right <laughs> exactly exactly so if there's like anybody any out there looking for a personal trainer um please put my website up on the <laughs> i absolutely will we will have we will have your uh, contact information the silverbackviking.com yeah. that will com, be yeah. instagram at the silverback viking um well facebook's under my own name blake goche big blake 74 okay enough of the personal uh uh propaganda <laughs> yeah there you go well that's that's what you're here for that's probably what you're here for now let's see i have to i have to check my notes because i wrote down some other things and i'm trying to remember um one is did you ever um did you ever feel um What's the word? Where did it feel good right away when you started? You know, when you started on the plan, were you like right no, after? Your, yeah, it it took a while, um, especially going from a very sedentary lifestyle of sitting around just watching TV, not really moving at all, to being in the gym a couple hours a day. Like it wasn't a couple hours a day to start it. I, I slowly worked up to that as well, but my body ached, it hurt, and. It, it it did not feel good at all but i also remembered how it felt when everything happened and i was on the other side and i was bound to determine that i'm going to do everything i can not to go back there anytime soon so i took that those days and like we touched on this a little bit earlier like those days where the body my body was hurting it was aching i took that as well that's telling my body that it needs to adapt it needs to get stronger it needs to work more efficiently and so little by little my body did start to evolve to change and and here i am <laughs> and there you are and how did you do like what was your main i mean other than not wanting to go back to that dark space uh was there other motivation factors did you did you were you able to find someone early on in this or were you doing it on your own for a while i, I did it on How'd my own for the first couple of years before i hired my coach 
Um, the one person that really helped motivate me and push me to become healthy was my daughter. Um, my daughter was 12 years old when I had my first heart attack. Um, I lost my dad was 59 when he passed, he passed from cancer, but my baby brother was only 18 when my dad passed away. So I didn't want my daughter to not know who her father was. Um, one thing I love now is my, my daughter lives about three hours away from me with my ex-wife. When I go visit her and we decide to go out for a hike or for a walk or something, she's actually asking me to slow down so she can keep up. And just the fact that I can go out and do stuff like that with her, it, that means the world to me because, like, like I said, like you don't get into bodybuilding to become rich. Um, my ex, she's a um, ventilator-trained pediatric nurse. So um, she she makes some pretty good money. So when it comes to, I don't want to say spoiling my daughter, but for monetary material things, and I know it's not a competition, but I can't compete in that sense with my ex. Not that it, we do, but it's just my ex will take my daughter out on all sorts of different trips to see the world. And, and I love the fact that she can do that. Personally, I can't afford to do that myself, but I can bring my daughter out. We can go on these things. We can explore things, um, go to, um, oh, what's it called? Sky Zone, which is uh, this great big indoor trampoline park in Ottawa. And I will actually go out on the trampolines with her and I can jump around and I can keep up with her, which is something that her mom can't do. So that means the world to me is that I can still go out at almost 50 years old and do this stuff with my teenage daughter. And also the fact that some of my daughter's friends have found my Instagram and apparently boys are now afraid to date my daughter. That's always a bonus too. Oh, that's a big bonus. That's yes. <laughs> that might be the best, the biggest bonus of the, I'm not going to lie. The journey. It make that's a good, pretty good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, is it, does your daughter have your height? Did she get your height as well? Now the funny thing is, is so my daughter's mom is only five foot one. So I'm I'm six foot seven. So my daughter stands uh, about five foot eleven, and she's seventeen right now. Wow, so she, that's yeah, taller than me height. already. Yeah. And uh, about three or four years ago, I was actually able to make it to Ottawa for parent-teacher interviews. So myself, my ex-wife, and my daughter, we walk into the classroom to have the meeting with the teacher, and the the teacher looks at me and looks at my ex-wife and says, "Well, that makes a lot more sense where she comes from." Now, <laughs> now they daughter. get it. Now they yeah. get it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> my daughter was about nine or ten when she was taller than her mom. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's great. Now I am forgetting what my next follow-up question was. Oh well, doesn't really. <laughs> well, if we come okay. see you later, I so, can always log back in and do it again if you we, need to. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Um, is there anything else that I may that you might want to? Uh, we're we're going to put your website up. Um, on the uh, it'll, it'll be in the show well. notes it'll be in the show notes what's that your instagram uh, your yes okay. please great yeah. you'll have it um well let me just say then this has been were you still talking this is joel albrecht and my guest today i'll just say is the silverback viking he, he he's an amazing it's an amazing story i'm still uh, really impressed i um when i read your when you sent me 
the story. I read it and I thought, I, I just really am curious about that. How does someone do uh, accomplish that? I think it's an amazing accomplishment. He lost over 300 pounds and he didn't do it on a reality show. I mean, that's the other part I didn't get into. I think that's quite, <laughs> I think that's impressive too. So well, it's funny that you mentioned that because the, when I first started losing the weight, uh, the, the, second year of it I lost about 170 pounds the second year like once my knee was healed up and I could really get into it and there was the reality show the biggest loser oh yeah and yeah so yeah the person who won it that year lost less weight than I had oh <laughs> that's won, so like two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars or something and I'm thinking to myself like if I would have been on that show <laughs> you would have had a yeah you would have had a lot more money to spend on the bodybuilding you could exactly I'd be you able could to afford have... to eat <laughs> yeah you could have had all those meals delivered yeah, so if there's any <laughs> casting directors out there looking for somebody <laughs> there you go that is excellent all right we will see you next time i should have another episode up soon thank you so much for listening remember to share it if you like the show give it a share give it a like and check out uh, the iced the ice that i'm i want to say ice viking that's a different person i the silverback viking i do breathing exercises with this guy called the ice viking so uh, that's that's why i said that all right thanks again for listening and remember be good to each other and be good to yourself.